You're listening to Unterwegs, the On Route podcast, where we talk about what it means to be on route with Jesus in our day-to-day life. Navigating life and faith in our complex and changing society is hard. Our goal is to keep you Unterwegs with Jesus, moving forward as you follow God's calling on your life. Welcome to episode 32 of our podcast. Today we'll be joined again by Dr. Stephen and Jenny Jones as we continue to follow their family's transition from the United States to Berlin, Germany, where they've joined the staff of Envision Berlin. As a backbone for our conversation, we use a book that Stephen wrote, Transitions Across Cultures, and a handbook that he and Jenny have developed called the Cross-Cultural Transition Handbook. There's a new release to that. You can find more notes about that in the show notes. Here's today's interview. Welcome to Unterwegs, the OnRoute podcast. I am your host, Mike Piccinato, and today I am joined by Dr. Stephen Jones. Hello. And by Jenny Jones. Hi. And it is great to have you guys with us again. This week is actually a pretty exciting marker for you guys. Yeah. And we celebrated with the cake. As one does. Right? Yeah. Good. And so the marker is that you have officially been in Berlin for six months now. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a very long and short time. Like, it's a weird dynamic of how those two things are held in tension. You're like, been here for six months. It's so long. But you're like, we've only been here. Yeah, time is weird. I think that's, I mean, thanks for bringing that up because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Two parts of that. First is that you've been here for six months, but that's really just maybe a small portion of the transition time. So mm-hmm. in country for six months, but how long have you guys been preparing for the transition? Well, we just talked about it this last week as we were making a video. Mm-hmm. What, 2019? Yeah, I mean, September of 2019 is when you had talked to us for the first time about potentially coming. And so really, since we got that email, it's been, you know... The, the process of starting to imagine what it would be like to leave began really then and and then intensified as the time got closer. I think in terms of actual like physical transition, you know, um, probably evidence started to be seen in our house, what, in the, maybe a year before we came. So a year, a year and a half ago. Yeah. In your house and then on calendars as you were mm-hmm. saying goodbye to people and, and seeing the coming dates uh, approaching. And there was also a lot of uncertainty along the way, right? Like we had to go through, I don't know, it seemed like five or six interviews. And there was the really big interview in September of 2020, would have been 2020. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then board appointment and like, so just all of these steps along the way. And then, of course, with COVID, everything was uncertain. So you know, on the one hand, it's easy to look back and be like, oh, yeah, there was kind of this constant build. But actually, that was filled with a lot of time of, is this going to happen? Are we going to be appointed to this position? Is it going to be possible to travel here? Will the funding come in to make it possible for us to go? All of those questions. And I think even for our kids, as we were talking about it, we didn't want to be like, yes, this is for sure happening because that felt very false. But at the same time, for them, they're like, well, it might not happen. So that part of their processing was interesting to to see because I think we wanted to be honest. But then that also for them 
opened up of like, well, we might not go. Right. So we're like, yes, but but like we'll probably go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that uh, ambiguity was, I don't know, uncomfortable for sure. And even, I mean, really, even up until we left the country, the rules were constantly changing with COVID. And you know, I mean, so like the uncertainty was real. And I think that's important for people to notice that and and think about that. For many people in our circles of influence, the transition started when you got on the airplane and flew here. So six months ago, your mm. cross-cultural transition started. But for you guys, especially as we've been working through your book, Stephen, Transitions Across Cultures and the and the workbook Cross-Cultural Transitions. The, the saying goodbye and, and, and the letting go of things and beginning to process started way before you actually got on the plane. And yeah, there. even, I mean, a, a really practical way that that played out is as we started imagining what it would be like to come here, and then we looked at what we needed to get done before we would come here. So September of 2019 was when you had reached out to us in February of 2020. We'd been praying a lot about what to do and felt like it was likely enough that we were going to come that I needed to step out of my full-time teaching job so that I could get done with my doctorate. I was, you know, I had made a lot of progress, but I needed to actually get the dissertation itself done. And I couldn't imagine how we would get ready to move and finish the dissertation. And we had a couple other projects going. And so I did quit the job in February of 2020, which is right before COVID really hit big. Um, and so, yeah, then everything changed after that. But so we really, I mean, quite a while before we left, you know, 15, 16 months before we actually left the country, had made a very significant cut in well, continuity. Yeah. A faith step. We spent weeks praying over that really seeking God and wisdom and discernment because it, it would impact us significantly and then if we ended up not coming you know be like what then right <laughs> we made similar decisions not in in a job situation but seeing that it was likely enough that we were coming here we took our kids out of homeschooling and put them, enrolled them into a public school so that they would have classroom experience mm -hmm. in a language they understood before we mm -hmm. were putting them into a classroom experience in that a makes different country. Makes a ton country. of sense, yeah. But all of that to say that by the time we land and now that you guys are hitting six months in, in this tumultuous six months, there's been a lot of things changing but it's also been like the most consistent time mm -hmm. in your life in the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've not had to move, not had to pack. We're settling in versus, you know, taking apart. Yeah. And the neutral zone that we've talked about several episodes ago didn't start when you moved. Right. It also started way in advance when you're leaving a job and things are starting to not be the way they were and you're transitioning to come over to a different culture all of the things that you're doing in the u.s are closing mm -hmm. doors in the u.s yeah. but not yet opening doors right, yeah. over here the relational transition of family and friends yeah just I, the couple of times that we've moved significantly like different cities you just feel 
the change of, oh, they're talking about events I won't be at. They're planning for parties. They're planning for celebrations. They're planning for just daily things. I won't have a chance to say yes or no to because I won't be here. So it's like those shifts happen and in, in we're acutely aware of them. And yeah, and that started happening definitely before we got here. So another part of that also, and this really starts to lead us into the theme that we want to talk about today, and that is the idea of of coping mechanisms. But when you are suddenly intensifying to move, you have to pull away from all of your normal ways mm-hmm. of relating and coping and dealing with the world because your life is centered on finishing a doctoral program right. or packing up the house or helping your kids transition relationships and hoping that you have time to do that for yourself mm-hmm. as well. And along the way, the things that usually bring you joy or usually are the things that relieve stress begin to not have as much of a priority on your calendar. Or even begin to not be available. Right. It was so significant. Like, we flew away in midsummer, but like didn't plan any garden. We had this sort of wild flower, more natural area. Stopped caring about that because I couldn't. Like, yeah, I was packing up the house. But all of the things that brought me joy in where we lived had to to stop. I mean, even going for walks with the dog, right? Yeah. Like, we had to give the dog away. And one of the main patterns that we had was to go for walks with the dog down by the river and then there was no dog and so then going for a walk by the river was sad you know yeah the one the one bright spot i feel like in that is i felt like i felt like god blessed our roses mm-hmm. last summer cuz they're like the most beautiful that we uh-huh. had they were so many blooms so many roses i was like like is this like peaceful goodbye like like they were little bits and pieces that i didn't have much control over but just happened oh yeah that was so painful well, that's a really long introduction to the topic that we're going to get to but i thought it was helpful to uh, to make sure that when when our listeners listen they understand the context from which we're talking about this topic Because when we talk about new beginnings and when we talk about coping mechanisms, we really pushed this episode down the road Mm -hmm. because two months ago was too early to talk about new beginnings and about coping mechanisms. And even now at six months, it seems like we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what those coping mechanisms might be for you guys or long term new beginnings might be. But it's also two plus years into a transition Mm -hmm. for you guys. And so internally, we're at points at this point in the transition where we're longing for new beginnings and we need some kind of coping mechanism. So Stephen, maybe if you could just reintroduce the idea of what are we talking about when we're talking about coping mechanisms and why is the idea of new beginnings important? Yeah, so the the transitions model that we use it's from william bridges um you start with endings so the transition starts with endings and some of those endings happened before we moved some of them happened as we got here um and some of them are in some ways still happening right like they 
it it's not this real clean you know you get on the plane and then the endings happen it's it's all of these different things that were true about you and about your life and then suddenly or gradually they're not anymore and then that introduces this time of chaos is probably a good word for it bridges talks about it as being a time of fallow neutrality this in-between space the the neutral zone the transition zone and it's just often a very uncomfortable time where you can expend a tremendous amount of energy and not get a lot of traction he talks about it as a, a time in which you kind of let the field life fallow and if you look at it from the surface it looks like nothing's happening actually there's a lot going on under the surface and it is a really important time but it doesn't look terribly productive just the experience of it is uncomfortable and then eventually you start to get into these new beginnings um, so things that become true of you that weren't before or things that become true of you in a way that they weren't before so whether that's activities that you do or occupational title or often elements of your personality that kind of come out in a way that they hadn't before. And then underneath all of that, at some point as you get into the new beginnings, uh, you pick up the thread of continuity, which is where you kind of start to have these moments of, oh yeah, that's who I am, you know, kind of remembering who you were and how the new beginnings tie together with who you have always been. Um, but there's a temptation to kind of short circuit that and jump straight to the new beginnings, but that's uh, generally a pretty unhealthy thing to do. And so if you're going to sit in the in-between, what do you do when you're really uncomfortable for a long period of time, when you're not quite sure who you are, when the things that reminded you of who you were aren't available to you, those kinds of things. That uncertainty is just so uncomfortable. Mm. And so then people cope with that discomfort in different ways. And and it's really just this basic thing of I'm uncomfortable and I want to be less uncomfortable or I want to be comfortable. How do I get there? And and that's what we were talking about when we talk about coping mechanisms. How do I get rid of or minimize the stress? How do I increase good feelings about myself or the situation or whatever? And there are, you know, I don't know, thousands of different ways in which people cope, but just kind of generally it's this idea that you're not okay and you're trying to make yourself okay. Uh, some of those coping mechanisms are good. Some of them are not good for you uh, or for others. But yeah, just generally coping mechanisms is, is more of a neutral term of just saying, yeah, it's dealing with the discomfort that you're feeling. And we talked about this before when we touched on this topic and, and, and we said everyone has coping mechanisms. Mm. So there are coping mechanisms that we have in our sending culture where we're, where we're from and mm -hmm. then we're in a new culture and those same coping mechanisms may not be available or if they're available they're not accessible because we can't speak the language or we don't know where to go to find them and so part of that that fallow area for us is also the realization and dealing with i i cannot cope the way i used to yeah, just to. an easy example of that here for us is that one of the things that we would do both individually and then as a family is go for a drive uh, in the country. And I haven't driven in six months. Mm -hmm. Like we literally have not driven once since we've been here. Uh, and and since we've been here six months, we're no longer even legally allowed to drive <laughs> until we get our driver's licenses transferred, which is a whole process. So, um, so it's literally inaccessible uh, this this way that we used to cope. Before we kind of go into what our 
you discovering about new coping mechanisms, maybe you can also touch on the idea of of new beginnings. Mm-hmm. New beginnings is in the in terms of the transition process, it's something that you have to be a little careful with. One of the other analogies that Bridges has is that it's it's kind of like crossing a street, right? Um, a transition is, and we think about okay, well, I don't want to hang out in the middle of the street because that feels uncomfortable and dangerous. But if you try to rush across a transition, and I think this is especially true with a cross cultural transition, if you try to just jump across to the other side, it's actually way more damaging. So it it would be easy to say, okay, well, I'm here now, and so I'm going to jump into this new identity, you know, whether it's my new job title or trying to establish my new cultural identity, um, whether that's as an expat or as a Berliner or, you know, whatever that would be. But the reality is I don't know what that means here yet. And so new beginnings kind of forced too early are not good. I think one of the good things about our organization is that we have this year or two years, depending on which branch you're in, of language and culture learning. And so it kind of sends the message right away, like, hey, you don't know who you are yet. You know, <laughs> like, don't try to say, you know, this is who I am now in this new role. Like, there's this in-between stage, which I think is actually really healthy, although sometimes frustrating. But eventually, you start to develop new patterns. And sometimes it's things that are completely new to you, things that you never had access to before. For example, just a a really basic uh, piece of that would be when you start to understand humor in the place that you have moved to, that's something new. It was never part of your life before. The humor is different in different cultures, right? And so when you have the tools to understand that and and it actually becomes part of your world, that is something new it's a new beginning sometimes it's you know new hobbies uh we have friends here who have taken up activities like archery um or the knights guild right which were uh either not available or not something that they did uh, before they came here so sometimes it's something like that sometimes it's really kind of deep new understandings of who i am in the world or even what my faith means or i mean they can be really really profound new beginnings and, so, and sometimes it's something as basic as uh, I like a new kind of bread. Your new favorite foods. Yeah. Maybe to, to, to paint the picture so people have a little bit of, of understanding of what that looks like is, is if you picture somebody growing up in a very rural environment in the United States and then moving to the big city, there's a lot of things that are similar. The language is similar. But there's a lot of things that are very different as well. The, the transportation, the traffic, the... The noises, the smells. Right. Yeah. The, the hobbies that are available to you if you're living downtown in the big city in an apartment opposed to in a, on, on a rural farm. But those things still just begin to scratch the surface because often the attitudes of people, the conversation topics in the big city are different. When you get together with your coworkers after work for a meal, what you talk about is different. Perhaps the the driving activities or the politics of a big city can be very different than rural. And so it takes time, even in an American to American transition to figure out what that is. Yeah, even within the same state. Even within I mean the you same experience state. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. then if you transition to a different culture, 
and you add the layer of language, but also hundreds or thousands of years of history and culture that you may not see on the surface that make people different. The more you get to know them, the more you realize that the motivations are different as well. And so it takes a while to get to that point where you're feeling like I'm beginning new in a way that fits mm-hmm. in this culture. Yeah. I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a question that our language teacher asked us just like two weeks ago. He was like, so do you guys like politics? Or do you talk about them or it was something to that effect? And was like, well, I mean, you know, like feels like a weird, you know, way to phrase that. But it was like, well, I enjoy discussing things and, you know, trying to think through what's going on in the world. But here, like we can't yet really gauge what the cultural climate and feeling. We don't know that, like know well that many Berliners or like we're just starting to understand I mean there's English news things here but it's like that only gives you this one small picture of you know what how do people really feel about what's going on in the government or the world like so conversations here feel like we can't form them yet or we Mm. can't like have how do you have an opinion when you don't really understand you know I mean even the election that happened um in the fall which is a huge deal, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we saw signs everywhere. We're like, okay, we see signs and it, it, they were all actually rather nice signs. No one was trying to be mean about I mean, some of the graffiti stance. changed some of those. Well, but. That, okay, yes. <laughs> People move that in a different direction. But yeah, I think that was just an interesting question to gauge where we were at in the adapting or understanding process. So in our next episode, I really want to talk about what are some of the coping mechanisms you guys have discovered after six months and where are you at in the new beginning stage? But before we get there, Stephen, if you could, and and Jenny as well, but if you could describe what would be the perfect picture of a person who's embracing new beginnings? What does that look like when it's done very well? How does somebody discover healthy coping mechanisms in a mm. new culture? I think there's a lot of patience involved that mm-hmm. is abnormal, like an abnormal amount of patience. Because I think some people might think that they're patient. Um, I mean, even that sense of time, like six months. Oh, yeah, we should feel like we we know how to do stuff here. No, the the, the energy and the time, patience is needed. I think that's... Spot on. I think there's a huge difference between letting new beginnings emerge and forcing them. And I think on the one hand, effort is often required in in the new beginnings, right? Like we're not going to learn German by just letting it emerge. And at the same time, becoming German speakers is something that will emerge with work. But if we try to just i don't know pretend like that like we're german speakers without giving at the time then um you know you risk being fluent fools right who understand the words but not the meaning mm-hmm. um so healthy new beginnings emerge out of kind of a really i don't know i think kind of a beautiful uh interaction between 
who you already were, who you may not remember exactly who that person is, you know, but who you already were and the context that you're in. And as those two things come together, new things start to happen. But it really is uh, a very organic kind of a process. It's something that that takes a long time. I mean, it's like planting in a seed, planting a seed in the soil, and it's got to die first, you know, and then it you know puts down the roots, and it's a long time before it starts to actually produce anything that looks like the new beginning that you were really intending to have happen. Like asparagus. Oh my goodness! It's a long time. Yeah, that's a or good garlic. That's a good garlic example. Garlic. That's I, yeah. Asparagus is a great example. Have you ever grown asparagus? No, but I'm familiar with the process. So we planted asparagus three years ago. Um, and there's this temptation when you see it. Come, so you plant it and then it you know, goes dormant for the winter and then it comes back. And when you see it come back that first year, there's this temptation to harvest it, right? Yeah, but don't do it. But don't do it. Yeah, because it's not ready yet. It looks like asparagus, although very, very thin and spindly, you know, but it looks like asparagus, but it's not ready yet. Uh, you got to let it go through the whole season. And then the second year, maybe you can harvest one or two little pieces, but really it's the same thing. It's not ready yet. Yeah. And if you let it have time, then it will become this really healthy, abundant crop uh, in the third and fourth year. When you try to force it, what you end up with is something anemic and, you know, it's not, it's not the robust new beginning. On the other hand, if you intentionally engage what you care about with the place that you are, and then kind of with this space of curiosity, so it's like curiosity and patience and then some determination, you know, um, then yeah, the new things that fit actually do happen. The other thing I think that's important is sometimes something that will look like it's going to be a new beginning is actually just a, a coping mechanism mm. um, to get you through. And then that thing will die off and then and then the actual new beginning happens later. And that's fine. You know, it's yeah. like sometimes you'll kind of step into a new way of being for a little while. Um, and you might think, oh, this is the new me. Now I'm a painter or now I'm a uh, you know, whatever. Now I'm a jogger or I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> but really that was just to get you through that season and then and then the actual new beginning comes after that. And this will be a later series when we talk about the threat of continuity and what that looks like. But I think it's important here just to mention in brief that when we're talking about new beginnings, we're not talking about a complete and total transformation right. of the person. They're, you're still you. Yeah. It's just how is that you fit in this new situation? Which then becomes, you know, we'll also at some point talk about reentry. It becomes challenging then when you talk right. about going back because you are still you, but you've also changed. Yeah. And so figuring out how that works, I'm still me. It's being expressed differently is part of the challenge that we are going through as well. Mm. Because we're being surrounded by a culture, but it's not like we're completely removed from the shaping influences that grew us. And we hear a lot about uh, theological deconstruction. And, and in some ways, that's what we experience in cross-cultural transitions, only it's not in our theology, our thinking about God. It's it's in how we view the world and, and how we do things. And that can be a very disruptive time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the dangers of jumping ahead on new beginnings is if you, so if your feet aren't stable, and you start experiencing doubt, uh, which is super common, 
for people who move across cultures. And then you think, oh, maybe the new beginning is that I'm a person who doesn't have faith. Mm. And you start living into that reality. Like that can have major impacts on your life, right? But it's not coming from a place of stability. It's coming from a place of instability. There are a lot of decisions that people can make trying to kind of force a new beginning because they're looking for any kind of stability. And so, yeah, this new thought or this new idea of who I could be in the world becomes something they kind of stake their identity on prematurely and, and it can be really unhealthy. So we're going to bring this episode to a close. And when we jump into next week and we kind of talk about what are some of the coping mechanisms you guys are discovering, what are some potential new beginnings, we'll do it with that in mind, Stephen, that this is almost more a benchmarking six months in than, mm -hmm. than saying, and we have discovered our new beginnings. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We got it wrapped up. <laughs> All right, good. Thanks, guys. And we'll come back again with part two of this episode. Unterwegs, the On Route podcast, is a production of I Am Intercultural, a division of Exigent Communication in partnership with Envision Berlin. Please like, share, and subscribe. Podcast music is by Mike Piccinato.